Turn in your Bibles to John 11. We're going to get there in a minute, but we're starting a new series called Discovering Jesus. Discovering Jesus. Discovery sounds so cool, right? Just the word, just the thought. You know, when I started talking about this series and, you know, the first thing that come to mind was like Christopher Columbus, but then it's like, oh, well, he didn't even really, dis you know, there was already people here. So that wasn't really discovery. And, and then you think about it, man, what's a, what's a true discovery that's been made, right? And then you think about it and you're like, well, discovering something a lot of times is just seeing something that was already there, Right? And so true discoveries, I don't know how much there's, there's been of those, how many things that were just like a complete like unearthing of something that no one ever knew. But discovery just sounds so cool. Man, when I was growing up, I loved those Indiana Jones movies. I was just like, uh, you know, for a little boy that loved adventure, that was just amazing how he would go and discover and maybe that's why, you know, people are on the internet so much because they think that they're going to discover something new, right? They're, they just keep scrolling and they keep searching. And then they're like, man, mom, look at this recipe I found. Look at this thing I found, you know, and they feel like that, that rush of discovery. Listen, though, here's the rub. We'll follow as humans so much of the time We'll follow whatever advice or info we find on our own just because we think we discovered it rather than doing what actually works, right? Some of you, like, you found some, uh, some, some cleaning solution online that you're supposed to mix together and be amazing, and, and your mom told you, no, no, just use what we all used to use because we know that it works, and you're like, oh, no, I found this on the internet. It must be true. And then you tried it, and lo and behold, it didn't work as good as mom's old thing, and, and, and you're back to what has always worked. You know, a lot of times what our parents said, what's orthodox, what's time-tested, you know, it's that way because it actually worked. But we love discovery. We love unearthing things. How many of you have ever flown and you pull out that magazine from the seat back pocket called Sky Mall? And you're like, I never knew I, knew I needed a portable uh, hot tub, right, that could fit in my backpack. I never knew I needed XYZ. And look what I discovered. And so the rub is that a lot of times we discover things that aren't really that helpful. And what do you do when you discover something, quote, unquote, on the internet? What's the first thing that you do? You look for reviews. You look for evidence. You still look for signs of trustworthiness. You know, you're just, you are an Amazon review uh, expert. You're a Wayfair review expert. You know what to look for. You know what the signs of something that's good and what's not. But when somebody says something like, Jesus changed my life, you're like, I don't know about that. You know, when somebody gives, gives a review about something that is old and true and time-tested and has stood the test of time, you're like, oh, I'm going to question that. I just don't know, right? And so there's this rub when it comes to discovering new things. We, we have this urge to discover stuff, but sometimes we don't discover the right things. A lot of times the life-saving thing is right in front of us and we don't even see it. 
on May 14th, 1796. Long time ago. Can you imagine 1796? And so if the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776, just about 20 years later, a British uh, scientist doctor named Edward Jenner tested his hypothesis for a vaccine. And this was like where vaccines started. And I'm not talking about vaccines today. I'm just telling the stories, you know, so don't get all uptight. All right. And so smallpox was a big deal. And so he had a hypothesis that he could create a vaccine from cowpox, which was a, a disease that cows would pass on to the milkmaids that were milking the cows, right? And this is going to be really gross. And so if you have a weak stomach, just bear with me. But he had this eight-year-old boy that he was named James Phipps that he was going to try to inoculate. And he was the son of Jenner's gardener. And so Jenner goes and he scrapes pus from the blisters of the milkmaid that got the cowpox from the cow. He scrapes that pus away from her blisters and uses that pus. How many of you just that word just makes shivers go up your spine? You're, you're, some of you are throwing up a little bit in your mouth right now. And so, it's, and, and he uses that to immunize this eight-year-old boy. The cow's name was Blossom. And did you know that you could go to St. George's Medical School Library and they have the hide of the cow hanging on the wall? The amazing thing is, though, is that Jenner simply found something, discovered something that was right in front of him that was the life-saving key to, his, to, to this worldwide disease that was taking out so many people. In the same way that Jenner found that vaccine in, in something right in front of him, so many of us never find Jesus who's right in front of us. And so that's why we do, I call this series Discovering Jesus because depending on where you're coming from in life, you know, you may have known about church, you may have gone to church, you may have heard about Jesus, you might know a little bit of the story, but you haven't discovered the life-saving power that is in the name of Jesus. It's one thing to know about him. It's another thing to discover how life-changing he can be. And the cool thing about Jesus is you don't have to cross an ocean. You don't have to go on a journey like Indiana Jones. You don't have to get a degree. You don't have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours scrolling on the internet to find the answer. He came to us. The truth of the matter today is that Jesus has always been there, but you and I have to make a personal discovery. You and I have to come to that place where we discover his goodness for us, for me, for you. What does it mean for you? The answers to God and life don't come from a new discovery, but from understanding what's been in front of us all along. John 1.10. And so I told you we're going to John 11, but we're going to all the way back to the first chapter of John and, and just read one little snippet of, of how Jesus came on the scene. John 1.10, it says, He came into the world, the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Can you imagine? He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed, and that's the word of the day, 
all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. But we don't always recognize something good, do we? We don't always recognize something good, even when it's right in front of our face. You see this, this word believed that we see in John 1.10, and not only in this verse, but throughout the book of John, 98 times this word is used. And in the Greek, it's the word pistiwo, okay? And this means literally to acknowledge the truth as truth. To acknowledge the truth as truth. Not your truth, not how you feel, but the actual truth. To say this is the truth and I'm going to acknowledge it and believe that it is actually true. And this word pistiwo is deeper. It has so much more meaning than just when we say the word believe. Believe in this case carries a much deeper meaning. It's, it's talking about trust. It's talking about reliance. It's, it's us saying that everything is dependent on whatever we're believing in. This is the kind of belief that you actually act and make decisions on, right? This is the truth that you could stand on. When I was a kid, I loved to climb trees, right? And so I put a ton of faith in tree branches. We had a walkout basement, and, and after the walkout basement, it kept going downhill, like our house was built on a hill. And so at the bottom of that hill, I would climb a 80 or 100 foot tall tree, and I would get all the way up to the top to where I was eye level with my, with my mom in the kitchen on the, the second floor of our house, looking out the back window. And so I'd be eye level with her, 100 feet in the air, and I would get that tree swinging back and forth. And, and I'd get her attention, hey, mom, look out here. And she'd look out there and she'd start screaming her head off at me because she's not trusting the branches as much as I am. Can I get an amen? And so, and, and man, up there at the top of the tree, thank God I was like 40 pounds or 60 pounds dripping wet. I was a super skinny little dude. And, 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 but I would just trust those and I'd be just swaying back and forth. That's the kind of trust we're talking about. Trusting with your life. Man, I also know what it's like to fall. My dad built me a tree house one time with my, with my, um, uh, my brother-in-law. He was a really good carpenter. And so they built this amazing tree house. It had walls. It had windows. It had a shingled roof. Uh, this thing was awesome. And it had a hole in the floor to come up through. And so one day I'm up in the treehouse and I'm just looking around. I'm walking around my treehouse just like, this is amazing. And I forgot about the hole in the floor. And if you've ever fallen from that high you know the feeling. And there was no parachute, there was no nothing. And so I hit a couple things on the way down and right to the ground. Luckily being a, you know, a, young, a young little dude, not a bone was broken and all I got was the wind knocked out of me. But it hurt every single bone in my body. My whole body just hurt and I, I ran into my mom screaming. Like, mom, this hurts so bad, you're not gonna imagine what happened. And so I know what it's like to trust and I know what it's like to fall. When I was in college in North, at North Central University in Minneapolis, uh, there was a bridge that we used to drive on all the time going to uh, Target, you know, late, late night. Late night Target or grocery store run to get uh, junk food that, that, that we didn't need, right? And so this, it was, it was I-35, it would go from downtown Minneapolis right up to the closest like little section with uh, grocery stores and whatnot. And just a few years ago, I saw on the news that that bridge that I had driven on over and over and over collapsed. Can you imagine? And I thought to myself, man, can't even think of how many times I trusted 
that bridge. And so these are the pictures that I want to just put in your mind today when it comes to belief. When it comes to belief, we're discovering things in life, we're choosing what to believe, we're choosing what to buy, we're choosing what to put our trust in, and it really, really matters. We know that the right answer, many of us, we, we know in our heads that the right answer is that Jesus is God's son and we need to believe in him. But sometimes we don't know the why, why that answer is true. And so throughout this series, over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack a few reasons why you can put your trust in Jesus, why you can not only discover him, but trust him and believe in him. Because when you believe in him, the Bible says that he gives you the right to become children of God. Isn't that what we all desire. And so here's some limbs throughout this series for you to stand on. Here's some bridges for you to use that you can trust. I want to encourage you, don't mess around with the most important bridges in life, the bridges of belief. Don't mess around with the most important limbs in your life that you're climbing out on and trusting the limbs of belief. When you discover Jesus, number one this week, you discover life. We're going to look at a story today where Jesus makes this proclamation. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 10.10, he said, I've come that they, might ha- that they may-, may have life and have it to the full. Another translation says, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly, right? Isn't that what we want? I want to be alive. I don't just want to live. I really want to be alive. In John 11.25, he makes this declaration, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And so in this story in John 11, we see a huge miracle. One of Jesus' friends named Lazarus had died. And we see Jesus show up and be who Jesus is. And we discover this aspect of his power and purpose. But before we see the miracle, we see a glimpse into our brokenness and we see a glimpse into our journey and especially the journey that we go on before we fully put our trust in Jesus, right? And so we see when Jesus comes into our life and remember that verse, John 1.10, he comes into the world, but the world didn't recognize it. He comes to his own people and even they rejected him. Well, sometimes Jesus comes into our life and it's a journey until we figure out that, man, I really do believe in him. And this is a safe place for you to explore that journey, and I just just hope you keep moving towards Jesus. And so what, what sucks the life out of your life? What are some ways that you realize that you're dead when Jesus comes into your life? Number one, when Jesus comes into your life, we realize that we're dead in our doubts. In John 11, 16, uh, the, the, the disciples had gotten word that Lazarus was not well, that he was dying, that they need to get there fast. And so Jesus is our, like, all right, let's go. And in John eleven sixteen, 16, Thomas says this. He said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. And just a little backstory, Thomas was being sarcastic any sarcastic people in here, you got the gift of cynicism. You got the gift of, of sarcasm, and you love to lay it on thick. Well, that's what Thomas was doing here. And we know throughout other gospels that Thomas was a doubter. But there's another aspect here. Thomas was also acknowledging that there was a cost if you want to follow Jesus. 
Back in 11.8, Thomas had said, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. And so Jesus knew that going back to where Lazarus was to help his friend meant going back to the place where people had just tried to stone him. Can you imagine? And so here's Thomas. He's doubtful, and he's like, all right, guys, let's go die with Jesus. So he thinks they're going on a suicide mission. He's sarcastic about it. He's cynical. He's critical. How many of you know that being critical is a cheap gift? Right? How many of you know the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats? The people that really don't have investment in your life and the people that really don't care and, and the people that really don't believe in you. Well, we see a little window into Thomas's soul right now that, that he really didn't believe that he was safe with Jesus. And some of us enter, even follow Jesus with doubts still in our heart. But those doubts bring death. They bring death to our soul. Number two, we, we're dead in our discouragement. And so in John eleven twenty, 20, we see that Martha gets the word that Jesus was coming. And so what does Martha do? She goes to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Mary, the one that sat at Jesus' feet, the one that, that, that loved Jesus, she stayed in the house. How many of you, sometimes you're just like, I, don't, I just don't have the energy for it anymore. I'm just staying home. I don't want to see people. I don't want to be around people. I don't care about my purpose. I don't care about life. I'm just going to stay home, right? I'm done. Nothing's ever getting better. You know, some of you get that Eeyore complex. Have you ever seen, uh, what's the little yellow dude's name? Tig, uh, Tigger and Winnie the Pooh. And you get that Eeyore complex and you're just like, oh, everything's bad. It's never going to get better. Right? We get dead in our discouragement. And even though Jesus is coming, we don't see how good he is. And we're like, you know what? I'll just stay home. Some of you get this feeling on Sunday morning. And you, you, you'd just rather get ministered to by Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets, right? <laughs> and so you'd just rather stay home. Because why? Because you're dead in your discouragement. Because you think that, that what you need is found at home rather than at the feet of Jesus. We get dead in our discouragement. The third thing that we see people die in is they, we die in the delay. And when I say dead, I mean spiritually, like we just get beaten down. We're dead in the delay. In John eleven seventeen, it says that when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. And so in verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died have anybody ever said like something like that to Jesus? Well, God, if you if you'd have just shown up earlier, this wouldn't happen. God, if you cared for me, this wouldn't happen. God, if 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 you were coming, why didn't you come then when I really needed you? We wouldn't have to be walking through this right now. But then we see a turning point. So Martha is like, God, Jesus, he died in the delay. But then in 11.22, she says, But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. 
She believed. And there's this glimmer of hope in her heart. There was, this, there was this picture of her moving towards discovering how good Jesus really is, which is where you and I are at today. You know, sometimes we all experience delays. We experience delays in our, in our marriage, whether, you know, we're in that place where, where we're like, will I ever get married? Whether we're in that place where we're like, will my marriage ever get better? Right? We experience uh, delays maybe in waiting for that child. And it's like, man, God, are we ever going to be able to have a baby? Are we ever going to be able to adopt? Whatever it is, there's, there's a delay. We, we, we experience delays when, when maybe there's a, a, a kid in the house or a brother or sister or a father or mother that's a prodigal that's far from God. And we're like, God, how long is it going to take for them to come back to you? How long is it going to take before before they realize that you're real and turn towards you. We experience delays with healing. We're like, God, why, why haven't you stepped in and healed yet? I've read these, these verses about healing in your word. Why? Where are you, God? If you would have just come earlier. We experience delays when it comes to our dead-end job. We're like, God, how long do I got to stay here? You re- do you really still have a purpose for me here at this job? Some of you that just started school, you're like, God, I'm dead in the delay because I, I, I can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel when I'm going to finish high school or when I'm going to finish college or when I'm going to finish graduate school. And it just feels so long. In John eleven twenty three, Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, And here's where we're at. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing, lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So there's two sides of this here. There's the fact that Jesus says, hey, Lazarus is getting up. There's the other side where he's talking to Martha. And so if you ever read this story and you think it's all about Lazarus and all about what would happen to him and all about the dead guy coming up out of the grave, which is amazing, then you're missing it. Because it was much about Martha and the disciples coming to a place where they believed wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly that Jesus is who he said he is and that he can do what he says he could do. It was as much about that life and God's resurrection in their bones was just as much about what they believed as it was about what Jesus did. And so what happens when we live by believing? What happens when we do what Jesus told Martha The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What does that look like? What happens when we do that? We come alive. We come alive. How do we come alive? First way that we come alive is through faith. We come alive through faith. In John 1.12, we're going back to the beginning of the book. It says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. We come alive when we believe. We come alive when we step out on the limb that is Jesus and give him a chance. Believing is not the same thing as understanding. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is putting your trust in something you can't see. 
And so you might be like, Joe, I need more answers. I need to know more evidence. I need to know more truth. And I really believe that if you seek God, you're going to find that stuff. And, and he's going to put that peace in your heart. But I just want to encourage you, why wait? Jump out on the limb that is Jesus. It's going to hold you. It's going to carry you. It's enough. We come alive through faith. Step out of the limb that's Jesus today. The second way that we come alive is through his love. We come alive through his love. Earlier in the book of John, John 3.16, it's probably the most popular verse known to mankind. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he's saying, hey, you believe in me and you get me. You get me. I give myself to you wholeheartedly. And so we're alive through his love. Man, love is a relationship. It's not just I do X, Y, Z and I get out of hell. It's no, Jesus loves me. Love that. If his love gave me life, then my life should be full of his love. It should be full of loving him and him loving me and me loving others because we're alive through his love. The third way that we come alive when we believe is we're alive through his spirit. He deposits his spirit inside of us. Romans 8, 11. It says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And so you think about this miracle where, that we're going we're gonna to unpack here in a second. Jesus calling Lazarus out of the grave. It's amazing. And then you, you fast forward and Paul's telling the Romans, man, this same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that raised Lazarus from the dead, it lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life. There's that word again. Life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. And so if we're alive through his spirit, then we can put to death all kinds of things in our life that used to hold us down. I'm not dead in my doubt anymore. I'm alive in my faith. I'm not dead in my addiction anymore. I'm alive in what Jesus did for me on the cross. I'm alive in the sacrifice that he made for me. We can be alive. And so we're alive through his spirit. So John eleven forty three 43 through 44, Jesus has gone through all these interactions with his disciples, with Mary, with Martha, with the people. And then Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound in grave clothes, his, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go unwrap him and let him go see that's what happens when you put your faith in Christ he says come on out of that old life come on out of that doubt come on out of that delay come on out of that that place where you're discouraged that you just feel like life's never gonna get better and take those grave clothes off because you're not dead anymore you're alive in Christ and then the big question the same question that he gave Martha and we're gonna close today Kathy, if you want to go ahead and come. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? You got two choices. 
You're either going to choose to still stay stuck, dead in your doubts, dead in the delay, dead in your discouragement, just always down. You can stay in the Eeyore complex. You can stay as a doubter, just like Thomas. You can maybe, you know, and even though Mary was great, you could just be like, oh, I'm just staying home today. And if you're watching online, no diss, man. I'm glad you're there today. <laughs> we, we love you. And, you know, sometimes we got to watch at home. It's all good. But you could stay there or you could step into belief. You could step into life with Christ. He's waiting for you to come. And so you do, believe, do you believe this? Are you walking on the right bridge? Are you climbing on the right branches? Are you trusting the right tree? Are you trusting what's been in front of you all along? Let me go back and read that verse that we read at the beginning. He came into the very world created. He created you. He formed you. The Bible says before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. But the world didn't recognize him. Are you ready to recognize him today? Are you, are you ready to see him for who he really is? Are you ready to see him for the one that wants to take those grave clothes off of you? But to all who believed in him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Or am I willing today to see what's right in front of me, what's been there all along? Or am I going to continue to search through life and search through, you know, all the answers that the world is giving me? Assuming that if I just search long enough, I'm going to find the right thing. But hey, he's been here all along. And he's still here. The Bible tells us that he's patient with us. That his kindness leads us to repentance. He's ready today with open arms for you and for me. At the very end of John. It says something. It's like John is just, he wants us to see it. And it says, but these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life again, there's that word, by the power of his name. Man, we're going to keep going through the book of John. We're going to look at some other stories, some other things that Jesus says he is. We're going to build some more bridges throughout the series. We're going to climb out on some more limbs. But where are you at today? Are you ready to trust Jesus with your life? What if we approached every day with the attitude that, man, I'm not really living, I'm not really alive if I'm not trusting Jesus? If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me today, where are you at? What bridge are you on? What limb are you climbing out on? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ today? The whole point of this series Man, we want to discover Jesus. For some of you, that means for the first time, you're making that personal discovery. For some of you, it means you're rediscovering. You've walked away. You've, you've, you've fallen into that trap of doubt. And today, it's just time to come home. Maybe for you, you're like, Joe, I've never put my faith and trust in Christ, and I want to do it today. Wherever you are, if you need to believe, trust, Give your heart and your life to Christ today. If that's you, just unabashedly, 
with all the boldness you got, raise your hand and say, God, that's me. I want to give my life to you today. I want to say yes to Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you raised your hand, I just encourage you to pray a prayer right now at your seat. And you might say, Joe, I don't know how to pray. And I just encourage you, talk to Jesus. Just like you would your best friend. Just like you would your father. Just like you would somebody that loves you. And just say, Jesus, I believe. You died on the cross for me. You rose again on the third day. I trust you with my life. Help me to follow you. As I make this choice to put you first, help me to understand your word. Bring people into my life, God, that are going to help me understand it. I want to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.